Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We're still podcasting a Sunday morning Bible class for all of those who cannot be with us at the building at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ on Sunday mornings, and also for those who are listening in other parts of the country and literally around the world. We're thankful to be able to teach God's Word on such a widespread basis through this marvelous medium called the Internet. How blessed we are to be able to reach out so extensively through and so easily, really, through this medium. Uh, boy, I wonder how the Apostle Paul would feel today <laughs> if he were able to look ahead till today and say, whoa, they're going to be able to do that, that easily, reaching places where I had to walk to or ride by horseback or donkey or camel or maybe travel many days by boat. My, my, how blessed we are to have this particular medium and to be able to use it in such a positive and godly way by teaching his word. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ every Sunday morning at 9.30 for our Bible classes and then 10.30 for our worship service and on Wednesday evenings at 6.30 for midweek Bible classes. Now, we are, again, podcasting a Sunday morning Bible class and a Wednesday night Bible class. We're also posting the sermon from Sunday morning worship service at 2 o'clock each Sunday afternoon. But if you're in the Omaha area, please come and be with us in person. There is advantage that a lot of people do not understand in being together in person with the church as the church comes together to meet and worship God and study his word and be in fellowship with one another. Take advantage of that. You need that. It's uplifting. It's encouraging. Now, we also encourage you to share this study with everybody you can. You know people in your life who need to grow in their faith, who need to think about their relationship with God and about their soul's salvation. Help them along this line by sharing these studies with them. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So help them get into the word of God by sharing these studies with them. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, maybe other technological means. But on purpose, with purpose, share with your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, literally with everybody you can. What a great blessing to help somebody get their lives on the right path spiritually and ultimately help them get to heaven. But that would also be a great blessing for you as well. Now, encourage everybody you can, and if you've not yet done so yourself, go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Scroll down the homepage to our podcast button, click on that, and sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It will always be free. We keep emphasizing we're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. When anyone signs up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive our Sunday morning Bible class, Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, which are now being posted in video format as well as audio, and they will also receive our radio program Monday through Friday, Search the Scriptures, and a wonderful short, about a 13-minute Bible study every day we call today's Bible class. All of that will automatically go to their smart device, their smartphone,
computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whichever one they choose, automatically, and again, always free. While they're at our website at churchofchrist.com, they can also download and listen to hundreds of sermons. And they can download and read through and study through hundreds of scripturally based and spiritually focused articles that can help them grow in their faith and their understanding of God's word. So we encourage you, encourage everybody you can, take advantage of this incredible resource material. And again, it's always free. We're going to get back into our study from the book of Exodus. We have been looking over the last few times together at the original listing of the Ten Commandments. We've been studying through those one by one. I want to conclude that particular part of our study today, and then we will move on from there. Those last five we have been giving some attention to. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, but basically just saying, you shall not covet. Now, in other words, you shall not covet something that is not yours, that may belong to somebody else, or something that you really do not rightfully have the opportunity to possess yourself. Greed is what we're talking about. But it's interesting, when we look at these, and we compare them to a number of texts in the New Testament, we see that the basic principles are repeated in New Testament Christianity, that we are supposed to abstain from these particular practices. These are ungodly. They're sinful. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning with verse, beginning with verse uh, 8, now you yourselves know that, uh, no, I'm sorry, you yourselves know you yourselves do wrong and cheat and you do things to your brethren. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. We covered those in earlier of the Ten Commandments. And then he goes on and says, nor thieves, nor covetous. Well, what did we read back there in those last five? You shall not steal, you shall not covet. Now again, when he said you shall not commit adultery, we spent some time talking about sexual sins, sexual sins that are taught against, warned against in the Old Testament scripture in these original Ten Commandments. Let me tell you, people need to go back and read these again and see that committing adultery, cheating on your spouse sexually, also, the broader term, fornication, which would mean all kinds of sexual immorality, that's still condemned in Scripture by God. It's not okay. But here we see also, brought into New Testament Scripture, New Testament Christianity, uh, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. We come back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And we also look at Ephesians. We turn to Paul's letter to the Ephesians in uh, chapter 2, and we look at beginning with verse 1. 
And he's writing to Christians here, those who have come out of the ways of sinfulness. He says, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, what does he mean by that? The wages of sin is death. What is the first consequence of death due to sin? Spiritual death, separation from God, separation from God. He goes on and he says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. In other words, you were following the lead of the devil, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves, because we all were guilty of sin before we came to Christ for forgiveness and salvation by being baptized into him for the remission of our sins, Acts 2.38, Acts 22.16. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Well, we need to understand that's not what we're supposed to be today. As we become Christians, we come out of those practices. We're no, lo- no, no longer walking in those ways because we have given them up. We have repented of our sins, and we have come to God through Jesus Christ for forgiveness and salvation. Now, we look at Galatians chapter 5, and this is perhaps the most extensive list that Paul lays out in New Testament scripture uh, about these kinds of sinful practices, sinful lifestyles that will keep us out of heaven. Beginning with verse 19, he says, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, well, we studied about that, fornication or sexual immorality in general, we studied about that, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, Envy, murders, uh, coming back to the t- those last five of the Ten Commandments again, verse 13 in, in, in Exodus chapter 20, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery. Uh, Paul lists both of those here in Galatians chapter 5. So again, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. In other words, anything else that would be similar to ungodly lifestyles like these that Paul lists here and in other texts of Scripture that he writes. We look at Ephesians again, this time chapter 5, and he says in verse 3, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, well, remember, you shall not covet the last of the Ten Commandments, Fornication, again, sexual immorality, and uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be named among you as is fitting for the saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For you know this, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Now, that ought to be like throwing a bucket of cold water in our face to wake us up and recognize that we cannot haphazardly, unconsciously, carelessly take part in sinful practices that are going to keep us out of heaven. 
God still holds us accountable for not being a part of those kinds of practices. In Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse 5, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, again, part of the Ten Commandments, the original Ten Commandments, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, part of the original Ten Commandments, which is idolatry, part of the original Ten Commandments. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked and when you lived in them. In other words, before you became a Christian, you were living in sin. But now yourselves, you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Now remember that anger and wrath and malice, they are the predecessors to murder. And murder is, again, condemned in Scripture, both in the original Ten Commandments and in New Testament Christianity. And he says, you, you have put on the new man. In other words, you have come out of these sinful and ungodly practices that separate you from God. We need to recognize it's not okay to take part in sin and think that we're still okay with God. No, it just does not work. does not work. Now, I want us to focus a little more on that last of the original Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, beginning with verse 7. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, uh, your neighbor's house, rather. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Now, covet again. Greed? Greed? Uh, resentment? that somebody has something that you don't have, but you want for yourself. Well, if they have it and you don't, there's probably a reason they have it and you don't. They probably worked for it. They acquired it some way. And so maybe you ought to go to them and say, tell me how you got that. Well, I worked hard every day at my job. I saved some money, put some aside, laid it up so that I could have some money to buy some things extra that, I like and that I want some things that will help me and my family and in life. But when you simply look at them and say, they've got it and I want it and I'm, I resent that they have, well, that's covetousness. That's ungodly greed and you need to stay away from that. You need to stay away from that. Too many people today, they want the paycheck without having to do the work, without having to be dedicated to their job. They want the blessings from God without having to live the commitment to be godly and to live the Christian life. You shall not covet. You shall not covet. He lays out several things there. In other words, just do not covet anything in any kind of ungodly way. Those are the original Ten Commandments. Now, I know we spent some time on those, looking at those individually one by one. Now, I want us to Follow that up with verses 18 through 21 of Exodus chapter 20. What was the response of the people? After God gave Moses these original Ten Commandments, and Moses communicated them to the people of Israel, whom he had led out of Egypt and the bondage in which they were suffering in Egypt, 
And now they're at Mount Sinai, and God is beginning to give them his law, his spiritual law, the Ten Commandments being basic to that law. But he's about to give them a whole lot of particulars beyond the Ten Commandments. Beginning in verse 18, now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning, uh, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking, and when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Well, they were properly impressed with awe, A-W-E, recognizing the presence of God in the mountain. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. Boy, they recognized the awesomeness of God. And they also recognized the leadership that God had bestowed upon Moses to lead them to the promised land, to lead them first out of Egypt, then to this mountain where God would meet with the people and give Moses the law that he would then pass on to the people. And the people, they, were, they, they recognized the presence of God and his awesome might and power and presence. And they said to Moses, God will tell, tell you what to tell us. We'll listen to you. But let, us not, let God not speak with us directly lest we die. They respected the power of God. And so they looked to Moses. They, they respected his leadership that God had placed upon him as their leader. So they said, uh, listen, <laughs> let God talk to you. You pass it on to us. And we'll respect that as coming from God. We need to hold God in awe. And Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you and that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. In other words, he came close to the mountain. The mountain was smoking. Again, there had been audible thunderings and perceptible lightning flashes, the sound of a trumpet and the mountain smoking. Moses could come near the mountain. The people were told, don't touch the mountain. Don't come upon the mountain. Okay, God's presence is there, and you need to respect his presence. Remember those foolhardy people back in the early chapters of Genesis who decided they were going to build a tower all the way to heaven, and God stopped them by confusing their language? Boy, talk about arrogance on their part. Well, Moses is teaching the people to respect. First he says, do not fear. For God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. What should we fear about God? We should fear disobeying God, being unfaithful to God, living in a disrespectful way before God. In Deuteronomy chapter 13 and verse 4, we read this. Moses speaking to the people before they are to enter the promised land. He says, you shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. 
Now, does that mean we're supposed to be shaking in our boots, being terrified of God? No. We're to hold him in awe and reverence. We should fear disobeying God because he is leading us in the best way that we can live our lives, ultimately to heaven itself. He has a home prepared for us in a place where there will be no more sickness, no more pain, no more suffering, no more dying. But all will be the blessedness of being in God's presence and life forever and ever. The wise man, Solomon, wrote in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. Now, keep his commandments. Fear disobeying God. Fear being unfaithful to God. Fear violating God's way for us. Because we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give account of the things done in the body, in other words, in our physical lives here in this earth, whether good or bad. God has appointed a day on which he will judge the world, and he has assured us of that by raising Jesus, who will be that judge of all of humanity for all time. He's the one before whose judgment seat we will all stand, Acts chapter 17, verses 30 and 31. Yes, we need to respect God, but are we supposed to be terrified of God? No, he is our father. He is our creator. He is the one who sacrificed his own son so that we could have the opportunity to be forgiven and saved and have an eternal home with him in heaven. So Moses tells the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you and that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. There are so many people, they treat God, they live before God in ways that are incredibly disrespectful of God. We've talked about how people use the Lord's name in vain. They use God's name in cursing and profanity and vulgarity without seeming to even think about it. And certainly without thinking about how God looks at them for so speaking, using his name in such horrible, disrespectful ways. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. Now, from this particular point, through most of the rest of the book of Exodus, there is a whole series of specific laws that God gives to Moses to pass on to the people as to how he wants them to be his spiritual people, how he wants them to live, how he wants them to worship, the principles of godliness that he wants them to not just hear and learn, but to live by. We're not going to look at all of those because it gets to be rather tedious. The law concerning servants and uh, animal control laws, responsibility for property, and on and on and on and on. Now, we may pick out 
particular section or two along the way, but I don't want to lose you. I don't want to make you fall asleep as because a lot of this is tedious and it's kind of just going on and getting into technicalities as far as instructions are concerned. I encourage you to pick up with chapter 21 of Exodus and read through the rest of it. Read through the rest of it. Uh, but we're not going to go through all of those particular sections of specific laws that were to be communicated to people and that they were to take up. Now, these are all spiritual laws, but they had to do with their regular physical lives as well. God at Sinai was molding the people that he sent Moses to lead out of Egypt into the wilderness and ultimately to the promised land that God had promised to their forefathers, beginning with Abraham. God was molding them at Sinai into the people of God in a way and to a degree that they had never recognized themselves as being previously. They believed in God back in Egypt. They prayed to God, and to some degree they worshiped God, but they were still caught up in worshiping idols too, I think we're to understand. But God is now molding them to be that spiritual people as God's people. That's what he wanted them to be. They want, he wanted them to look to him for their ultimate leadership, and he was teaching them how to be truly his people on every level and how they were to live that spiritually focused life primarily and not just physically focused. He was guiding them as to how to be his true people. Now, the church today is the people of God, the family of God, the church of the living God, 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15. We need to be, we need to recognize and be, live up to our identity as being God's people today. We learn from what we read in the Old Testament scriptures as to how God was guiding, shaping, and molding the people of Israel into being his spiritual people. And through them, his teachings were supposed to go forth. Now, we today are the fulfillment of that identity, the people of God. And we need to take that seriously, and we need to learn how to apply the particular characteristics of our identity as Christians. Christ ones, the family of God, the body of Christ. We'll move on next time. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you so much for loving us so much. We thank you for giving us your word to guide us in your will. Help us to study it, to learn, to understand and to properly apply it to our lives. Guide us, Father, to see, to be excited as to the prospect of becoming your people, your family, and help us to take that seriously and to embrace it, Father. Help people all over the world see that deliverance from whatever it is, whatever negative situation that is confronting them, 
that true deliverance from all is by coming to you and becoming yours. Help people to see, Father. Help us to help people to see. Please forgive us, gracious Father. We come to you in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.